Hello listeners, watchers, subscribers to the SDR Disco Call Show. My name is Neil Buyan and I'm your host. If this is your first time coming across this show or perhaps you're a returning listener and watcher, this show is all about helping out SDRs or sales development reps in the world of tech sales. And my job is to find inspiring and great people working in the industry to get insights as to how did they get into this career, what advice would they offer to people that are just starting out in sales, and I freaking love it. And also to say, this is a very, very special day, because today is the 24th of November, 2023, and today is the show's third official birthday. So we started three years ago, and since then we've had over 80 great episodes of SDRs and Sales Greatness, 90,000 downloads in over 60 countries, and I just wanted to say a massive thank you to all of our fans that support the show. Well, enough about that. Let's get back to our guest. So this person is somebody that was introduced to me by one of our former guests, Louis. Thank you very much. Uh, and said, you need to get this person on the show. I think they're going to be great. And I couldn't agree more. So guest, could you please introduce yourself? Who are you? Hi, I'm Leah, Leah Buker. And I'm currently an account executive working for Cognizant. Thank you very much for the strong introduction there, Leah. And it's a pleasure to have you on board. Leah, could you tell us at a high level, what does Cognism do and who are the type of people that you help? Absolutely. So we are, in a nutshell, a B2B data solution. So if you're an SDR, if you're an AE, you want to reach out, like you don't have phone numbers, you don't have the emails, or you don't even know which accounts to target, you log on to our solution and we help you find it. And that means really I'm speaking to sales leaders, marketing leaders, operations, and anyone up there who's really involved with basically just making the organization grow, run, and generate some business. Love it. Thank you very much for that, Leah. And whereabouts in the world are you based? So I'm currently based in London, and specifically for the Londoners, because you will always ask me, where in London? North London. <laughs> Woo woo, North Wheezy, love it. Thank you very much. And outside of sales, Leah, uh, what things do you like to get up to? What hobbies, interests and passions do you have? So um, I've got some very basic, boring hobbies that would be going to the gym and reading. However, I think a bit more niche hobby of mine is musical theatre. So I love acting. Ooh. I've acted my whole life. I love singing. You can catch me at the Phoenix Theatre. So like, I'm really involved in that area as well. Wow. I love that. I love when I'm picking up my son from stagecoach school today. So perhaps maybe one day we can come and see you oh, perform. Absolutely. Do come. He would love it. I, I know he would. He freaking would. So, all right. Thank you. For, that's something new that I've learned. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and as a gentle reminder to our listeners and watchers, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please make sure that you give us a, a rating and subscribe. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe down below. And it's normally at this point in the show, we come to our guest's LinkedIn profile. So as a reminder, all of our guest's LinkedIn profiles will be within the show notes. So if you want to connect with Leah, pick a brain, or discuss anything that we've shared about today, feel free to do so. So Leah, with your LinkedIn profile, you've got some cool experience and you're interconnected with some people that I know in the industry, which is pretty cool. Uh, but looking back at it, you know, student rep at King's College, you've been a contributing writer for KCL Women Politics Society, an angel investor, an ambassador for SDRs of Germany, big fan. Uh, and also, you know, you've been at Cognizant for, for the past year. And obviously you are an account executive, but you have been that SDR life and, you know, things we're going to discuss and touch upon today 
But for our listeners, watchers, could you kind of tell us, like, Leah, how did you get into sales? And, you know, how did you get into where you are today? Absolutely. So the way I got into sales is actually a classic pandemic story. Imagine mm. a student of the arts, um, not, not like well-funded necessarily, um, needing a job in London in a pandemic. Absolutely nothing mm. was moving into the direction I thought I would go in. And my recruiter basically begged me to be <laughs> cognizant after I had just uh, been rejected from a job writing descriptions for tools at a warehouse, which I thought I was perfect for because I wanted to go into writing. Wow. I begrudgingly took the call, met my coworker Charlotte, who's now one of my dearest friends, and within mm. five minutes, I had decided that whatever that person does for a living and wherever that person works, I want to work mm. and I want to do that. So that's how I started in sales. Wow. And to, to touch upon that, what was that experience with Charlotte like to prompt you to think, dude, I want to do that? What, what was it about? It that? was, I had no idea, no, absolutely no idea what sales was. I'd heard of it. I'd imagined mm. old men in black suits with gray hair. Then there's Charlotte, my age, young, blonde, pretty, super like eager, tells me all the stuff she does at work, sounds pretty excited about what she's doing. And I'm like, well, this is more than just making phone calls and annoying people. I'm really into that. And also, I just really liked her personality. So I was like, it can't be too bad if she's sticking it out. Mm. I, I freaking love that, dude. That's You're right. Like, There's so many preconceptions that we could potentially have about sales and it's not until we meet people like charlotte or come into this world that we're like oh it's it's not that all right so you know um and I, I assume that you're grateful that you didn't stick with writing the descriptions for tools in the warehouse right very much so i <laughs> fell in love with sales immediately i think at the end of the first week i was like how did nobody ever tell me that this industry exists because i think i would have like straight applied to other companies that being said, I'm glad I didn't, because otherwise I might have not ended up at Cognizant and be on this podcast with you today. Exactly. Everything happens for a reason. I love that. So, you know, coming to Cognizant and being an SDR for the DACH region, but working in London, walk us through kind of what was that first couple of weeks and months like and how, you know, what was going through your mind? It like? was chaotic. In one word, it was chaotic. <laughs> Cognizant, as great as they are, we're now located at the Shard. I love my office views on Tower Bridge. Back then, mm. have you heard of the Ministry of Sound here in London? Yeah. Yes. We were at the back office in the Ministry of Sound. So every Monday morning, no we smell the stale alcohol from like the parties the before. <laughs> Interesting yeah. setting to start your career. Let's put it that way. But at least <laughs> I've been there because I spent all of my freshers there and never went back for four years. Yeah. Um, it was crazy we were three sdrs for the german market and one ae mm. we had no german sales leadership so all of my training I actually got in english and then i had to make up my mind use charlotte's cadences build cadences to really kind of build out an sdr function as i was starting to become an sdr which mm. i think today that would terrify me but back then i was so blue-eyed i was just like yes just writing emails i can do that i'll just see what converts and that's mm. really how I started. So it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of good books that I got recommended and a really kind of strict but nurturing sales leader, Dave Bentham, um, who gave me basically all the knowledge he had. And that was like, I've absolutely no idea how you would translate that into German, but you go well. 
And so that's how I started. <laughs> it's like a baptism of fire there, but I had no ideas that um, Cognizant started in the back offices of Ministry of Sound. That's that's epic. That's different. Um, and then obviously coming, you know, like you said, being blue-eyed, you're just like, cool, let's run with it. Let's see what we're doing. And, you know, for somebody that has worked in the Dach market, and obviously that you guys provide data and information, I know that within the Dach market, they can become very sensitive to data, information, where is this located and all this stuff. So what was it like for somebody that never worked in sales, talking to a market who are, you know, predominantly strict when it comes to information and data? What was that life like? So the learning curve was literally, it wasn't just like this, it was like this um for for everyone who's just listening to us i basically just like the learning curve went straight up it wasn't even a curve it was just like a, a line elevator mm. so to say um it was crazy so you have all of those like preconceptions you've got all the people asking where did you get my data i mean i was lucky i was a data provider so literally when they asked where did you get my data i could pitch um that was quite mm. fortunate um lots of questions Lots and lots of questions around data, but it also led me to being the AE now that everybody comes to when they've got GDPR questions, especially for the German region. Because mm. I know that GDPR law back in my, like back in Cantonese, when you wake me up at 3 a.m. at night, the way your math teacher wants you to know the formulas that I never knew, I know the GDPR laws because I've been asked about wow. it a lot. Other, apart from that, if you are reaching out individually, if you really personalize it, I found the German market to actually be a market of people that's very welcoming once you made it in, which is also why I joined mm. SDS of Germany, because it seems so scary. To me, it's one of the scariest markets to prospect in. So hats off to everyone who does it. But once you're in, it's good. <laughs> I love that. Wow. So like you're becoming, you know, not knowing what you're doing, but then being, a, like you said, a data provider yourself. So, yeah, dude, that's how I got your details. Um, being questioned about GDPR, because, you know, a lot of us within SDR land with GDPR, we have to be very careful in our companies how we contact people because we don't want anybody, you know, putting a complaint against us because the implications and, you know, the financial fines that can come with that stuff. So, you're yeah, speaking to those people. But I love how you say, okay, you became very knowledgeable in that and now you're that go to person. If somebody has a GDPR question, <laughs> I wish I had you back in the day. Um, and then, you know, like you said, like once you get into that market and the DAC region becoming welcoming to you, it's cool. I love that. And it is something I've experienced as well. You kind of had to, I think back in my days, you had to have somebody that was already a customer within that region that could be referenced. They would have a chat with them. And once they know you're legit, they were super cool and nice. But obviously there was that, who yeah. are you? Where did you get my information? I don't know if I'll be interested in this. Where are you based? You know, scary, like you said, very scary. And I do want to come back to that SDRs of Germany piece as well. But then, you know, what was that journey like for you being an SDR in those early days, moving through to being a BDR and then becoming an account executive? Walk us through that journey and what, what was that like? So it was right, a right time, right place thing that happened to like cognizant was very strict about like promoting it's by now it turned into the hunger games it's crazy everybody wants it they are really strict with their criteria weeding out people left right and center mm. we were in a very fortunate position because we were germans and we had just brought on german leadership in january so like about like four or five months after i joined 
we started bringing mm. on the first German sales leader. The second one joined in like March or April, I think. And they were restructuring the team. They were opening an office in Cologne. They were really building out the region. We were a little bit concerned. It's kind of like UK satellites, what's happening to us. And then we didn't really have, so we were always helping out with demos anyway, like doing really deep discoveries. So they saw that we could do it. And then one day in April, um, they called us into the office. And for some reason, we legit thought we would get fired because we're in the UK and they're now building a German team, or at least I thought that. I tend to see, I tend to overthink a lot and I'm like, expect yeah. the worst so it can only get better. Mm. And yeah, so we went into that office and they were like, hey, Leah Charlotte, by the way, there's going to be some structural changes. And like from the, basically in two weeks, you guys are going to be AEs. And I just remember like fireworks went off in my head. I was terrified. I almost peed my pants. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? Because it was so yeah. unexpected. Um, and that's how I became an AE. But then from there, it was grind. I had like two weeks to prepare for the role. Fortunately, mm. I've always been very thorough with my discoveries, even on the phone or via email. So the discovery part actually wasn't something I was scared about. I was like, I can ask questions. I can ask a lot of good questions. I can get the information I want. I was mm. really scared about demoing people. But on my oh, first really? sales call, my, my sales leader, she joined me. and. I closed that deal, by the way. So it, it didn't go as terrible. Like I closed the first demo I've ever had. Oh boy, was I nervous. And after that call, I like, just sat at my desk here in my living room, like shaking. And I was like, what just happened? It was scary. It was a scary, scary time. But then within like one or two months, I grew very comfortable in that role very quickly. Mm. Experience really helps. As all of my fellow AEs will know, like, you can get as much training as you want. The thing that will really train you are the demos you do. Mm. And so at that point, I really felt comfortable. And I had the first time the feeling that I was an AE. I wasn't just an SDR who'd been just like by luck and happenstance kind of like stumbled into the role, but that I'd really earned the spot there. But that was definitely something yeah. that I was kind of coping with during the first couple of months in that role. I love that. That's such a cool story. And I think like to pick apart some things there, being called into, all right, so things were changing, you know, you've got uh, leadership within the local region, mm -hmm. also working in your satellite office, being called into this office and thinking, what's, oh no, what's going on? Why are we being called into here? Right. And I was talking to somebody about this yesterday about, um, you know, communication within cell. Sometimes if somebody slacks you and just says, hey, could we just quickly have a chat? We initially think, what have I done wrong? Right. And, you know, there are things I, I want to pick up on this about, you know, what advice would you, uh, but, you know, you go into that meeting and actually it's the best thing that's ever happened. And like, wow, I'm being promoted to an account executive. Woo. Cool. What advice would you give to somebody that always constantly thinks, oh shit, what's gone wrong? What have I done wrong? What advice would you give to that person? Leah? So what I tend to do, and I don't know if that's the best way, but when I really sit there and I get paralyzed with fear, I'm just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Sorry, can I swear yeah. on this show? Okay, of course. Great. Um, when I sit there and do that, I think of, okay, what could they get me for? What did I do wrong? And then instead mm. of just obsessing over, I don't know, just being like really fearful of the unknown, I at least think about scenarios. And usually you come up with like, you know, but that would be ridiculous calling them in front of me. This, no, yeah. they wouldn't chat to me about that. That, no, my manager would have slacked me. And then 
you kind of like go through all the stuff it could be and realize there's really nothing bad that it could be that you've done, which will make you feel better. Mm. And at the same time, to me, it helps me feel in control of the situation because I think the actual problem that makes everyone go, oh no, what is happening? Mm. It's not that you really think you've done something bad. It's not knowing what they want to talk about. That is the actual yeah. enemy. So by yeah. giving yourself at least the chance to think, okay, what could they maybe want to talk about or what could they not want to talk about, you're kind mm. of regaining control of the situation. And usually you can play that through till the time the meeting comes around. I love that. That's some solid, awesome advice. And so on top of that, because I'm a person that does that, I you know overthink a lot of things and I think, oh shit, what's, what's happened? But uh, a mindset that I try to get myself into when I get that shock or that message, I'm like, I now say to myself, I wonder what good news they've mm. got for me. Because I just yeah. try to, then it, keep, it opens my mind a bit more rather than being worried about stuff. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And then the other things that I wanted to ask, which you alluded to is, you know, there's a very strict criteria in terms of working towards that promotion and that role. And, you know, you're somebody that's worked hard and you've earned it and you've done that grind. Um, and, you know, you wasn't so scared about doing discovery. It was about doing demos to people and hats off to you for your first demo winning and, you know, closing. Love that. And I asked this question because I have coached, you know, a few SDLs from Cognizant over the past year, but SDLs from all over the place. And then in the last couple of months, there is a lot of promotion discussions. Neil, could you give me some help to prepare for that meeting? I got to do a presentation. Do you mind having a look at the presentation? Um, you know, I got to speak to the sales leader. Then I have to speak to this person, blah, blah, blah. I do give them some advice as to what to do, but for somebody that's lived it, gone through it, what advice would you give to somebody that is, okay, going to have the promotion discussion initially and they have that with that sales leader and then the steps they have to do? What advice would you give to them, Leah? My first advice is that there's an 80% chance you're missing out on the two most important things they want to see during that demo. And that is, mm. A, a proper introduction. You need to set the agenda especially Cognizant, but I think every sales leader loves you to set an agenda. You don't enter a call, be like, hey, Neil, this is Cognizant. Let's go. What's your problem, by the <laughs> yeah. way? You are there. Yeah. You do a little bit of chit-chat and you set an agenda. You don't mm. have to give timings. I have colleagues who do that. I personally don't. Um, but you have to set an agenda on that call. That is so important and they will look out for that. And the second bit is, what do you do once the demo is over, you just say, mm -hmm. okay, that's it. Um, you write me an email. I'll send you a summary. See you soon, Neil. No. You see if you can confirm a timeline. You ask how you should prioritize that, which usually helps that to get a timeline. You're, you're very new in your role. You don't have to ask about budget or anything. That's fine. But what you really need mm -hmm. to do is to lock in a next step, whether that's book another meeting or if they really say i want to take this internally and discuss okay but give me a mm. date when i can expect an answer from you and do, is that a phone call or is that an email and do we have do i have all the emails of the people just make sure you've got some very clear concise steps and also refer to them in the email and i do that not mm. only in my demos but at the beginning of every single meeting i will have with them throughout the entire sales process and this is something that I know my sales leaders look for. So again, in the end, I'm sure you know our product. I'm sure you can do a demo. Potentially also don't feature sell. They don't like mm. feature selling. But really, mm. if the beginning and the end, 
that's what stays on the forefront of your prospect's mind and in that case of your hiring manager's mind. So make sure that you also focus on that. Wunderbar is all I can say to that, Leah. I absolutely freaking love that, dude. That is powerful shit right there. And, you know, it's true, not just with Cognizant, but other SDRs that I've had. Like when we do like a coaching call, they say, Neil, can I just do like a dry demo with you just to run you through like how I'm going to go into this with my manager and stuff like that. And they do demos and, you know, they show me their tool and they're so intent on the software doing the selling that the kind of two cents that I give them, I said, look, if I'm your hiring manager, I want to see like how you're running the meeting, how you're running the conversation, how you're interacting with me. So to your point, setting that agenda, having those concrete steps. And I said, like, dude, anybody can just share a screen and, you know, walk me around at all. Anybody can do that. But it's, I think, as a former sales like leader, what I was looking for is, could I see you do this in front of other prospects? And you don't have to have it perfect because there has to be parts from my point where I need to coach you and help you on making it nice, nice, right? But it's, I want to see that. So it's the the conversation that I'd like you to focus on and how you structure it and how you orchestrate those next steps. So yeah, I love that, dude. And, you know, for some have to do presentations. And in my experience, well, and I used to do it a lot as well, is I'd have multiple slides talking about this, you know, they give me like a, a scenario that I have to speak to and all of that. And with some reps, again, I'll stop here on what tips I would give. But have you ever been in that position where you have to share a presentation? And if so, what sort of advice would you give when giving the presentation Actually, had to, give, to the manager? Uh, to give a presentation as part of my hiring interview. Um, this one was my last step, and I was very excited about it because I love giving presentations, which I know most people don't. Um, just reframe it. Just think mm. of it as like a theater play, and you'll be fine. Literally, you're just a character presenting the slides. Um, yeah, and yeah, for yeah, the yeah. slides. The more minimalistic, the better. Don't overcrowd your mm. slides. If you want to have things on there, instead of having a lot of words, give me a couple facts and figures, especially figures. I want to see figures mm. on those slides. I don't want to see your, uh, we can improve your connection rate. I want to see we can improve your connection rate by seven times. Or we can increase mm. this by 29%, stuff like that. Give me a couple figures. Mm. And also... Don't outline every single thing that your solution does on the slides. You, I would be very bored if somebody would run me through an entire Cognizant deck. I send them out to my clients sometimes because they want it, where we've got everything broken down, but yeah. that's not your job to do on a demo. And everything you show, mm. everything that is on the slides must have immediate relevancy. And that already, already helps you sort it out. We've got like three main use cases at Cognizant that you should know if you're applying or like broadly now if you're applying for the position if you are mm. at that presentation stage if they tell you which use case it is why would you include other features that are not relevant and if they come up in conversation hey you know those features you surely can explain them but i don't want to see them on the slides because mm. what you do right now is feature selling and not value selling I love that because I think in my days of being an AE, like a, a tip or script that I used to use was, Leah, there could be 3,000 features within my solution, but only three of them applicable to you. So those are the three that I want to show you today. And that was based on the discovery call, et cetera. So I think that's, that's really key. And I loved how you said you like doing presentations because it's kind of like a performance. I mean, exactly the same place, dude. Like even for people that come onto this show, I've got those slides and it is like a presentation. I've done it hundreds of yeah. times, but I love doing it, right? It is a performance. 
Um, and I was recently helping out a mate who's recently joined. He's gone back to university to do uh, marketing and events. And he had to do his first presentation in front of a group of his peers. And he was shitting his pants. And he just said, Neil, you do this sort of stuff. Can you give me a hand? And I was like, yeah, cool, dude. Let's do this. And he was showing me all these slides. And to your point, there was just so much text all over it, all of this stuff. And I just sat there. I was like, bro, I've struggled to listen what you've just said because I'm trying to read intently everything on your slides and I can't put my head in two places at the same time. So no, to your point, minimalistic slides. What I kind of said to my mate Ash was, if you can just have images, right, and talk about the images, but to your point, have just some key facts about what you're trying to convey to your audience, right? And I said, your slide that you're going to share after is the takeaway, so you can add the additional information. And I think what he was trying to do was use the slides with all the text as his script, you know, and I've seen this with a lot and I used to do it as well. But to your point, I think keeping it minimalistic and I said, dude, if you can do this in three to four slides max, epic. And it's just the conversation you're having, what you're trying to convey to that audience. And it is a performance, bro. And he's, he's a DJ. So I said, just imagine this is a set you're doing in front of a crowd and your slides are your tunes and you just, it's the feeling and the vibe that you're trying to give. Uh, but I love that. But also coming back to, you know, this is a key topic. And I think when we go into next year, a lot of people are going to be looking for promotions and stuff. Once you've had that last stage interview and you've done everything that's been asked by your sales leadership to make sure that you you stand out and have good you know, footing to get that promotion. What is, after all of these interviews, what should you be doing as a so, rep? As a rep, first of all, I would be, I would almost treat this like, uh, like a sales cycle. I would literally send a follow-up email. I'd just be like, hey, yeah. Sales yeah. leader or manager, um, thanks for the opportunity today. Um, do you have any immediate feedback for me? Any kind of like improvements or things I've done well, things I could go over? Potentially, if you want to be cheeky, also be like, when can I expect feedback? But definitely just mm. ask for a little bit of a, like, or when can I expect a decision? Definitely just ask for some little feedback on your presentation. And if they go like, hey, Neil, um, we've seen like 15 people today, uh, probably just going to get back to you next Wednesday. That's fine. Hmm. You don't really want an answer. I mean, it's great if they give you feedback. What you want is to let them know you care. And just keep checking in yeah. with them. Honestly, we're you're probably, if you're an SDR, you're either working in startup culture or you're probably going more corporate, especially if you're more corporate. Just be really nice. I'm not meaning like bring your mm. manager donuts every morning or they will probably get like, I don't know, iron sugar after three days. But like, <laughs> you know, just be really nice. Um, potentially even a bit yeah. more nice than usual. There, nothing wrong with that, especially in the corporate world. Just stand out. Make sure mm. that you still contribute. And one thing that a lot of people neglect and that I think I would have done that incorrectly if I had been preparing back then. Now I wouldn't do it. Make sure that the work you're currently doing is still above, like above average. You will have high mm. standards if you made it to that stage. If your standards now slack yeah. because you're preparing for something else, you're showing that you're not able to handle more tasks and more responsibility. And this, mm. at the end of the day, can really, really, really harm kind of your progress and can make them see like oh but like hmm. look now he's getting so obsessed with doing this the performance is actually not there anymore as an str he loses and that i yeah. think is like a very yeah. lethal thing that happens to a lot of people hmm. you're right and 
because they're so uh, they get kind of tunnel vision on that one thing that everything else becomes irrelevant and they kind of let go of that. And I think the question that I'd love to ask to follow up on that is, okay, so you're somebody that successfully made it, but I do speak to a lot of SDRs that, you know, go for this interview, they're up against their peers and lots of other people. And we jump into a coaching call. I said, so how did the interview go? I said, oh, I didn't make it. And their heart just breaks. And they go into this really downward place. And I've had a few of these discussions and I've had to bring these people back up and just say, look, it's not the end of the world, dude. Um, but again, before I put in my two cents, what advice would you give to that person that went for that interview and wasn't successful? Where should their mind be? How do they detach from this? And then how yeah. do they get back on the horse? The first thing is be uh, that I would say is like, accept it and accept that you're allowed to feel sad about it for a day or two. I think there's no sense mm. in you coming out, your manager telling you, oh, you didn't get it. You worked really hard for this. I would be worried if you weren't the slightest bit upset, because if you weren't upset and sad about it, I think you didn't really want it at all. So give yourself mm. that time, like take a weekend. You don't necessarily have to take a day off though. If you can take the rest of the afternoon off, I'd even recommend you do it. Get yourself a donut, get some ice cream, use something you enjoy, go, <laughs> go run 5k. I don't know what you do to relax, but like have a gin, like whatever, mm. do it. And then the next day yeah. you go in and ask for feedback. You very honest. Yeah. You're just like, Hey, I know I didn't make it, but you know, I, I'm a bit cheeky. I'll be like, but you know, you'll see me next time. Um, or you could just be like, but I would like to prepare and learn <laughs> if you're not that cheeky. Um, yeah. What advice can you give me? No one, if it's a good organization that wants you to grow, no one will reject a request for feedback. They will mm. sit you down. Potentially, you can even yeah. book in a meeting to run through with a hiring manager like a week down the line. Gives both of you a little bit of space to think things over. And then... If you really like that company, like I would say, give it at least two goes at the same company. If you really like that company, mm -hmm. try it a third time. And sometimes, which I have seen with a couple of my former colleagues on, or and friends, sometimes it's also good to just like scan the market and look for mm -hmm. an opportunity elsewhere. Because if you're a high performing SDR at one company, you might be able to start like an SMB AE at another company. And sometimes, yeah. Yeah. If that is something that can help you, I used to do that when I was really upset at work. So, like, I'm so sorry, Cognizant, if you listen to this. But when I got really upset at work, <laughs> I would literally just open like Glassdoor or LinkedIn jobs and just like scroll through the opportunities I could go for so that I knew I still had the safety net. I could try again. But yeah. if I would fail, if something was to go wrong, you're in sales, you're highly employable. There are options out there that pay well. You'll not go hungry. You'll keep the roof over your head. And after yeah. this kind of beating of not being selected for the promotion, sometimes just like re like knowing that this that you've got the safety net can be extremely helpful. So if you feel really sad, literally scroll through yeah. jobs and see what else is there. Also, sometimes that will make you notice that you really like your company and you'd rather try again and that motivates you. I love that. I love that. You're right, because it can, it can hit our pride and it can hit our ego. And I love your honesty and being candid. Uh, and again, shouts out to Cog and Dave. Um, but yeah, it, it's a reality because I see with a lot of these SDRs, they take it personally, really to heart. And I can understand it is because they've really put their heart and soul into this and they're so intent on getting it. 
And when we have these sort of discussions, I said, yeah, dude, it's cool to be pissed off about this. You know, like I can understand how much you wanted. We've been, you know, working towards this together. But I'm just like, here's an opportunity for learning, right? Like I, I, I have this belief in my life and mantra is that I never lose. I either win or I learn. So the question is, what is the learning here? What could we improve upon? Going, like you said, going to your manager, asking for that feedback. And, you know, sometimes the reps get pissy with their managers. Oh, well, that person doesn't like me and I know that they favor this person, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, let's try and get some perspective. This person has to be in a position to promote the right person. And they have to have discussions. They have to reject people, but they have to accept people. And a manager's life isn't easy. So there's a lot of pressures on them. They've not just got you to think about, but other people as well. So think about that for a minute. Um, and yeah, there is that element of where I was supposed to be like, yeah, I want to forget this company. I'm gonna, I want to go elsewhere. And I'm like, but what happens every time you come across a tough situation? Is this how we're going to react to it? Because know this, you're going to be speaking to prospects that are going to be telling you no. And deals are going to slip. So isn't it really cool that you get to experience this now? learn from it, improve on it, so that when you do finally go into that A position, you can smash it and you can face it and it's not that scary. And, you know, there is that self-reflection element of, yeah, go look at the market, see what's going on in other places. But, you know, you may be really lucky where you are. And I'm like, are you pissed off at the company, your manager, or are you just pissed off at the situation? What are we really angry about? <laughs> and, you know, like you said, go have a gin, go, like, again, do what you need to do to de-stress from it and then come back to it with a sound mind right um yeah it, it, we've all been there it's all gone through that but again you never lose you win or learn so what can we learn from this to you know keep on proving but coming back to you know yourself being in this dark market where it's very scary and you joined like with SDRs of Germany can you like tell us a little bit about the your relationship with SDRs of Germany and, and how did that come about so I think I followed SDRs of Germany like from the very beginning, basically. And I always saw them and there were this hype phenomenon. And I'm always like, it's so cool. But you know, when you're kind of like jealous that like other people are posting on LinkedIn and they're going viral and you've never posted on LinkedIn because that was me. I'm like, oh, but they're so famous mm. on LinkedIn. I, I could never. Yeah, girl, you could never if you don't even post. <laughs> so I, mm. I was that person. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of those people out there and I have this chat with my colleagues frequently. But like, I saw them, mm. I saw what they were doing. I enjoyed their content, especially because I was still working in the DAX sphere, first as an SDR, then as an AE. So it's really helpful to see that there are a lot of young, motivated people out there and that German sales is changing up because sometimes it can feel like it's very stuck and downtrodden and you get desperate because you're like, oh my God. I, I literally, I cannot mm. call the next old marketing manager that is telling me to basically like piss off where did you get my data and mm. like have a nice life but not even have a nice life they, they tend to be very blunt <laughs> and in those moments yeah. it was really cool to see that there's a, a lot of young or younger sales professionals out there the millennials we're like we're claiming and reclaiming the sales sphere and like changing things and then actually there is mm. a lot of invention going on like there is a strong economy and that brings a lot of opportunity so that was so good to see but I didn't join mm. forces with them until I was already working mm. kind of the international market. So I made the switch just to give some context here. I was pulled from the duck yeah, yeah. market to back to the UK team where I am now, um, or UK mm. international team, really, um, at the beginning of this year. So January, 
uh, had no clue about it. I'm actually very happy they did it because I do perform a lot better in this market. And Hmm. I got so much training that I needed. Then in, (laughs) I think I, I was still working in the German market for a bit, like at the, in December, I had this deal with a company and one of my champions, I kind of like grew really fond of him and we like started being like, I think by now we're friends, like of course it's WhatsApp. So like we were friends outside and we started this Mm. kind of friendship outside of the deal. The deal Mm. never went through, but that was fine. I got what I wanted out of it. That was way more valuable. So, um, Mm. and I met that person and he kept like bugging me. He's like, oh, but SDS of Germany, you'd love it. You'd be such a great fit as an ambassador. Just come on board. Mind you, I still hadn't posted much on LinkedIn. So I was like, how does he even know that? He's like, no, mm. but from the sales calls, I really mm. loved it with you. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll sign up to mm. it. And then he was like, but don't you want to be an ambassador? And I'm like, I mean, if you want me. And they were actually like, basically like doing like a ambassador hygiene thing where they were just like throwing out all the ambassadors that weren't doing anything. And we're actually kind of not recruiting anymore or taking ambassadors anymore. Mm. Had a call with their back then the guy who was responsible for screening ambassadors and deciding if he can come on board as an ambassador was amazing. Mm. I had so much fun in that interview. And then I joined forces with them in April, which is also the first mm. time that I met the founders. And on the, I know we're coming to shout outs later, but I need to put in a shout out yeah. for yeah, yeah, please. Shout out Let's for do it. Helena Let's do it, Flowers, because she is she's incredible. Obviously, everybody also knows Mattia, who's also phenomenal. But I met Helena. We discovered we're almost neighbors. Mm. We live three minutes away from each other. We've we've never (laughs) met. And within like the first five minutes of meeting her, I felt like I'd known her for my entire life. We'd ordered a board game I'd recommended. Mm. And we drank in a glass of wine together. So and that was the moment I decided I was like, I love this company. I really want to be part of this. And then Things just took off with like really all of us ambassadors were really involved around content. We now have the master classes, which I'm so excited about. Like I feel that's yeah, really yeah, what yeah. German DAC sales need sales needs, because we've got such great coaches here. We've got like you, Neil. There's like so many people offering their coaches and programming in English. Mm. German market works so differently. Yeah. We had no people specializing in that. And now there's like this whole academy out there. And also I'm running mm. my book club. So I'm actually, Ooh, I actually tell us more. So tell us I'm more. a literature student. I have two degrees okay. in, so I've got a BA in English literature and film from King's, and I've got a master's in Shakespeare studies. If I'm anything, I'm a reader. Wow. I love books. My sales education, mm. which is very mm. important to me, I get from books. I love it. I've, I haven't read them all, but like I have a pile of sales books next to my bed that I like choose from. I feel like a kid in a candy store every, <laughs> buy, every time I buy a new one. <laughs> And I was like, hey, what if what if we read those together? Because I know there's not a lot of people that passionate about reading sales books as I am. And then I think like mm. five months ago, we started the SDRs of Germany book club. So like once a month, we read a book together. And then all the people who joined the event where we discuss the book and like give you a bit of like pretext and summary and like get you the key takeaways if you're not keen on reading it. But afterwards, we read it together for like mm. four years. Check in, there's a newsletter. And you really basically just go through the sales books and can learn from it. And for now, it's unfortunately in German. So for any Germans listening, join us. 
we'd be happy to have you mm -hmm. for everyone in english do message me if there's enough messages i'll set up another one in english but that's basically what i'm doing there and i love it good now all right well what we'll be doing in the show notes is putting links in so if people are interested to learn more about this and you know find out more about sdls of germany what leo's doing with the book club and all these events and you're right because the 15, 20 years of working in tech sales, um, the DACH market or region, I only knew it through the reps I either hired or the account executives that I worked with or the sales leadership. But I never really saw, you know, a community. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it, right? It's just people just worked in their respective companies and that was it. But with the likes of yourself, Mattia, Jan Mundorf, Dominic Klinberg, and, you know, what they're doing for the, the circus next oh, year, which I'm going to, right. I'm going to finally meet all these great... Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And you're right; it's this new generation that are coming together to change the narrative, making it accessible and a cool industry to get into, and trying to change, you know, the preconceptions of yeah. how sales should be within this region, right? And I, I freaking love that, and I'm hundred percent supporting it. It's pretty cool, dude. And I think you know today also what I wanted to talk about, and it's something we discussed before coming on today's recording, is you know mindset working in these cells and the stresses it can bring and stuff like that Leah like as we're coming towards wrapping up this episode today like what is it that is what's the message that you want to give out to these sales people and SDRs when it comes to being you know as an AE working this sort of life and it can become very stressful what, what do you want to say I think to we them? can link that back to what you and I discussed earlier when, about giving presentations and you're almost a performer you need to hmm. make sure that you separate your sales life and your private life and that your private life still mm. has priority. Because I'm a person I can get lost in work. I can like my, my fiance cannot mm -hmm. see me in the evening because I'm still there doing admin and stuff like that. And I I love it. I, <laughs> I don't even mind it. But you have to be mindful mm. of you have your sales persona. You've got the amazing SDR mm. or E that you are. Usually that person is a bit more confident than you would usually be. Person's maybe a bit more forward, a bit more out there. That's the person you bring to events, that's the person you bring to calls. That's not necessarily the person that sits at home in like their Harry Potter fuzzy socks, like watching Elf on TV, <laughs> eating cookies. But that person with the fuzzy Harry mm. Potter socks, that's the one that you actually are. And that's the one that you need to take the most care of. So when it comes to prioritizing, yes, we've got crunch mm. time at the end of the month. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes you stay until six, you stay until eight. You answer an email at like 11 p.m. potentially because your prospects in Australia. Yes, that can happen. But if that happens, not only mm. at the end of the month or like once in a while, but every other day, something is off there and you need to discuss it with your manager and mm. you need to shift mm. what your priorities are. So just really check in with that person that sits on the couch in the evening. See if that person gets enough time to sit on the couch or go to the gym or do whatever. And if you feel like that person doesn't, then don't try to solve it on your own just go to your manager or go to hr and try to fix that i think that is very important because i think a lot of people that i either and even with myself it's that work-life balance and you're right when you really enjoy something you have what you call a burning desire so it is hard to let go of it because sometimes you don't see it as work because it's exciting you and it can become very addictive right but if it's impacting your life where it's affecting your sleep, your mental health, you become ratty with your friends and family, um, and you're always online, you're always available, you have to come to a certain point where you're not accessible, 
and you will advise someone, I'll get back to you tomorrow on this, you know, because I'm kind of doing my thing. And I think a lot of young SDRs may feel fearful of not responding to that Slack or that email or message because they're trying to hit their target and they're trying to, you know, get into that promotion. So I think that's um, really nice of you to say, like, speak to your manager. You don't have to do it on your own or speak to HR, seek advice um, because your mental health and that other person that lives that doesn't do the work of being a great SDR and putting on that before because it is a performance that's how I look at sales as well I've said this multiple times you're putting on this mask you're this performer and if you look with actors and stuff like that they're great in films but when you meet in real life they're very introverted they don't want to talk to anyone because it's a it's a persona they put on right um and something like even with me on this show admittedly this is a persona of Neil I don't always talk like this with my friends and family right uh, and I need so I know when it comes to 12 o'clock today I'm picking up my son from school and podcast no doesn't exist happy selling doesn't exist so i love that so it's been an absolute awesome pleasure having you on a show today which is our podcast birthday um but if you were to go back leah to that young lady who was in the pandemic and she was about to meet charlotte and potentially work in the ministry of sounds back offices what three bits of advice would you give her the first one is just do it Really just go for it. The second one is, however stressful it gets, you're allowed to still be yourself and do what's best for yourself. And the last one is one that I always find very encouraging, is you don't even know what's out there. And that... Mm. Every single day, I'm just rediscovering things. I'm like, it's sales. It's like the connections, the opportunities, also the financial reward that comes with it. That we like, you don't even know what you could do and what you can do with what you get. So, really, just remember that. That's deep. I like that. I really do. Thank you very much. And are there any shout outs or kudos that you'd like to give on today's show? I'm going to shout out my fellow SDRs of Germany, Pulse, but and Charlotte Drost, again, like she is amazing and my reason for being in sales. And I think there are two more people that I like to shout out, which first of all, cutesy is probably everyone does my mom because I know she will listen to this podcast. She always gets so yeah. excited when I'm on podcasts. She she's not even in sales. Hey, so like, hi, mom. Thanks for listening to this. And the other one is my fiance, because I think, mm. frankly, without Matt's support, I would have not been able to like perform on that high level that I've been performing. Because, you know, somebody has to take out the trash. And frankly, what, especially during the SDR and early AE time, that person wasn't me. So thanks for that. Oh, I love that. I love that. Shout out to all those guys and girls that absolutely love that. Well, Again, a big shout out to our listeners, watchers and subscribers for joining us on Leah's episode today. As a reminder, her LinkedIn profile will be in the show notes. If you want to pick a brain, connect with her and hear more about her book club and SDLs of Germany, feel free to reach out to her. And a massive thank you for you, all of you joining us on this episode. And, you know, three years on, we're here today on a, on a great episode being recorded. And none of this would be possible without everybody's support. So, you know, back in the day, when we started this show, I didn't have a website. I didn't have any episodes. I had like two or three slides with a concept of an idea. And 95,080 plus episodes later, we're here having great conversations with people like Leah. So I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. But Leah, um, I'm wishing you a successful Q4 and end of year. Um, I know that our paths are going to cross again, especially out in Germany next year. But thank you so much for coming on the show. And most importantly, thank you so much. happy selling.
Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.